you or someone you know has a child with autism in their family, answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio with host Dr. Bill Freya. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is Dr. Bill Freya. And welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Freya. I'm a clinical psychologist and co-founder of Autism Spectrum Therapies, a national agency providing resources and services to individuals of all ages who are living with autism spectrum disorders as well as other developmental issues. And I'm so glad you joined me today. Autism Spectrum Radio is meant to be a powerful resource to families and professionals. And it sounds from your comments, emails, Facebook posts, etc., that we're accomplishing that goal. It's great to see your comments and hear the things that you want to learn about, so keep them coming. The extra benefit I get from the show is being able to speak with experts and passionate advocates each week, and I always learn something new, and we have some of the most amazing guests on our show. Today will be no exception, as we'll be welcoming Dr. Lynn Cagle as our guest. She's done amazing work developing different ABA treatments, and she's probably best known for pivotal response treatment, which we'll be discussing today. If you've missed any of our previous shows, please visit the radio show page at autismtherapies.com. You can find links to all of our past shows there, as well as the schedule for upcoming weeks and see the guests that are going to be coming up in our future shows. We'll give you the opportunity to put those on your calendar and to send us any questions you might want me to ask when we're talking to those guests. Uh, next week, we're discussing preschool programs for children with autism, so get your question in, questions in soon if you want to learn more about state-of-the-art preschool supports. As you know, we've put April behind us, and while Autism Awareness Month is no more, we will continue to keep the message of autism awareness, advocacy, effective treatments, and family supports alive on this show. All month, we have been running a contest to honor the unsung heroes of autism, the parents, and 20 great parents have been selected to receive a well-deserved day at the spa. So our thanks to everyone who took the time to submit their heartwarming stories of loved ones who were doing great things. They were inspiring. I loved reading them. And we know how much work and dedication goes into being a parent of a child with autism, and you are truly heroes in our book. And it is fun to, to give back to the community. Autism Spectrum Therapies has always been committed to uh, appreciating the needs of parents who are off, often struggling to find answers. I want to mention just a few resources that are available from the AST website. Uh, especially the tip sheets that we have that are easy to print out and just pop on your fridge whenever those particular topics come up. We have quite a few, and we're regularly adding also to our blog page. So these blog posts will often include links to other resources we're talking about. I'd like you to keep up on that if you can. We also have a growing YouTube channel with lots of informative videos, and many of these resources can be found on our Facebook page, but you can also link to all the various pages and channels um, through our AST website at autismtherapies.com. Our site is uh, particularly rich on information about ABA treatments, as those are our core services. For those who have missed, uh, might have missed last week, ABA is Applied Behavior Analysis, and these approaches to treatment are the most researched, the most evidence-based methods that you can have. We talked a lot last week about blended ABA treatments for autism, and we packed a lot of information into the hour, maybe too much information. So I thought maybe I'd back up and just give you a one-sentence takeaway from last week that's hopefully useful. And that is that there are different evidence-based approaches to treating autism, and you should ideally make yourself aware of all of them. And while that's hard, it's important to try to be an informed consumer and understand what fits your child's needs. And it's getting easier to do that with resources on the Internet to help you do that research. Our guest last week, Dr. Travis Thompson, 
is addressing the issue of how to blend appropriate ABA interventions in a prescriptive way. And one consideration in that process is the child's ability to benefit from play-based ABA approaches. And at Autism Therapies, we embrace play-based treatment as the goal for all children because it means that they're capable of learning in a natural and more generalizable way. And let's face it, kids want to play. They're motivated by exploring their environment. And typically, developing kids may craft their whole day around opportunities to play. And you know, when my three children are playing, it takes a small army to get them to do something else. They're motivated, they're into it, and they like to learn as much as they can in that, in that context. When we're kids, we get to create a different world each day if we want, and we explore new ways of having fun with our friends each chance that we get. Kids learn from the play that they're doing. They, they learn social themes. They learn rules. They know how to negotiate with others for the things that they want. And while they may be pretending to be superheroes or princesses or dinosaurs, uh, within those themes, they're working to make their play more exciting and using the interaction with their peers and their parents to navigate social and language opportunities that come up in their play. And when a treatment is, is play-based, the therapist can make sure that specific opportunities keep coming up over and over again in that environment and make sure that the play is more fun and more rewarding based on the child's efforts to learn things like language and social skills, even academics. So compare a child learning during play when you're engaging with them, having fun and, and trying to teach them something versus when he or she is doing homework at the kitchen table. And which one looks more motivating? Which will he or she work harder at? And, and usually when it's play, the kids are putting a lot of energy and attention into it. So as, as parents, we get to reintroduce play into our lives when our children come along. It's an opportunity. We get to be excited about play all over again. Our kids make us appreciate the importance of having fun, getting silly, discovering new games and opportunities to play. And there's too much of an opportunity there not to take advantage of it. When your child is most motivated, most engaged, he's most likely to learn and take what he is learning with him to experience it again. As a psychologist, a behavior analyst, I get to see play from a different perspective. Play, playtime is a rich opportunity through which we can teach children with autism in meaningful and profound ways. Play-based ABA therapy, from the child's perspective, isn't so much therapy. It's play when, it, when it's done correctly. And this is not to say that play-based ABA is all fun or simple. A lot of thought, planning, and commitment is required to make, to make the progress and achieve the desired outcomes. One challenge we discussed last week is finding an, an agency or a therapist that's skilled in providing play-based ABA treatments. As Dr. Travis Thompson suggested, it's harder for him to teach a therapist to do effective play-based instruction than it is to teach them a structured, discrete trial, traditional approach. And, I, and as I joke, often an observer or parent will comment that the child and therapist appear to be having a great time, a lot of fun playing together. And I often think that maybe the child's having fun, but that therapist is working her butt off. She's inserting learning opportunities into the play throughout the teaching session. And it's really hard work. You have to keep your goals going. Your goals don't stop. You're always teaching to the goals that you have in front of you. You have to embed effective ABA methods into your interactions, and you have to catch each opportunity to teach. You have to make sure the child experiences something fun within the play each time he or she responds correctly, such as saying new words or using new social skills or play rules. And you have to take data on all of that so you know the direction of your next therapy session. I'm getting a little exhausted just thinking about it now. Many ABA-oriented agencies around the country still don't offer a play-based option, and maybe it's because of that. And they 
choose to only use a more traditional discrete trial, a la Lovas approach, like we talked about last week. And they're, they're still using an evidence-based approach. That's okay. But I think it's ideal to have a treatment provider who knows how to use different ABA approaches. You, you really want a professional who has a working understanding of when to use one ABA method versus another, uh, based on the child's needs and their learning style and the progress that they're making. And if they don't understand play-based ABA, you don't have that option. They don't have choices to make. A good therapist will adjust the structure of the session based on how the child is doing. And they have the necessary tools and an understanding of how to use those tools. And maybe because of training issues or tradition, that's harder to find someone who has a variety of ABA tools in their toolbox than it is to find maybe a discrete trial therapist. But that doesn't mean you don't look or ask or make suggestions based on the needs of your child. It's too important. It, it's fair to ask your service provider how they incorporate play into the session. What methods do they use? Can they give you some literature on those methods? And one important question from today's show is, do they use pivotal response treatment? Well, if we had a single takeaway sentence for today's show, like we talked about for last week, that takeaway sentence would be pivotal response treatment is a play-based ABA approach with 25 years of research supporting its effectiveness. And that's what I hope you leave our show today understanding, and we'll give you some resources to take with you as well to support that goal. Our guest today will be Dr. Len Cagle, and she directs the Cagle Autism Center at UC Santa Barbara. I was fortunate, fortunate enough to have her as my mentor when I was a student at UCSB for both my master's degree in speech pathology and my doctorate in clinical psychology. I hung around there for nine years. She probably thought I was stalking her. She's probably glad to see me go. <laughs> the UCSB is a great university, and Santa Barbara is a great place to live and visit, and it's such a hard place to leave. If you have to take your child to be seen by an expert, why not go to one of the most accomplished and famous aut autism experts in the world and get to visit Santa Barbara as well? It's kind of a win-win with uh, Dr. Lynn Cagle. At the heart of what... Uh, Dr. Lynn Cagle and her husband, Dr. Robert Cagle, do is motivate children. That's an oversimplification, of course, but the core of what I learned from the Cagles was that children learn best when you make it fun and natural. When I say natural, I mean it should not look like a little classroom with a child sitting across from you doing things that you ask them, pointing at pictures or imitating sounds that don't seem to have a purpose at that moment. The natural is asking children to talk about or talk for the things that they want that are right in front of them, the toys and activities that you're interacting with right there. And those words that are so hard to say for that child get a response that is natural and meaningful and they get what they ask for. And if, if you're a master clinician like Dr. Lynn Cagle, the toys come to life at just the right time. The message is you communicated for it. You get it. Isn't that how our first words came to us? I mean, we learned to speak because it was important to us. We connected the use of our words with the powerful meaning that they held. I'm saying juice because I want juice, not because it's a word someone told me to say or a picture uh, someone is showing me. I learned to say ball because I wanted to play. I got it. It was powerful. I wanted to learn more words, more toys I could get. The word opened up doors for me as a child. That's how we learned. And the, the child learns immediately that the words are functional. It's inspired, inspiring to, to keep trying, to learn more words, to engage socially because they now have some power, some effective social communication. And it makes a lot of sense today, but in the 1980s when the Kegels and their colleagues were demonstrating the importance of naturalistic treatment methods, it didn't make as much sense to the professionals in the ABA world or elsewhere. So the groundbreaking work that became pivotal response treatment was some of the most influential findings ever in the world of autism. It's been exactly 25 years since they published an article called The Natural Language Teaching Paradigm for Nonverbal Autistic Children. And that kicked off 25 years of research of how to motivate children with autism to be engaged in the learning process. Today, their methods are readily available in books that are parent-friendly. They recently published the PRT Pocket Guide that 
Amazon is trying to keep in stock. Uh, Lynn Cagle has worked hard to get her powerful message out. And it's a message of motivating children, of having high expectations for children with autism, and teaching parents effective ways. So when we come back, we'll begin our discussion with Dr. Lynn Cagle. Stay with me. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Need to replace aging IT infrastructure? Want a way to scale IT resources on demand? Looking for affordable disaster recovery alternatives? Then maybe the cloud is for you. If you aren't sure where or how to start, Centerbeam can help. Over the past decade, we've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and for a limited time are offering a 25% discount on a cloud readiness assessment. It includes detailed recommendations for your transition to the cloud and is yours to keep. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Everyone deserves a life filled with happiness, confidence, and achievements. Code Metro, developers of NPA Works Business Management Software, is proud to partner with Autism Spectrum Therapies and its efforts in creating futures for individuals with autism. To fulfill our duties, we promise a special needs product that helps organizations operate efficiently, providing them with a business system that evolves as rapidly as they do. The results? A streamlined practice to help maintain quality services. Discover how we help businesses succeed at NPAWorks.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Freya. Today, we are welcoming Dr. Lynn Cagle to our show. Lynn Cagle and her husband, Robert Cagle, are incredibly active in the autism community. Uh, Lynn Cagle is currently the clinical director of autism services at the Cagle Autism Center at UC Santa Barbara, and they do so much there. It's amazing. Some of what they focus on includes helping young children develop their first words, teaching pragmatics and social skills. They also have an Asperger's project as part of the center. And Dr. Lynn Cagle has published over 100 scientific articles, books, and manuals on the treatment of autism. This includes being the co-author and co-editor of the bestseller, Overcoming Autism, Finding Answers, Strategies, and Hope That Can Transform a Child's Life. 
you haven't read Overcoming Autism, you really should. Her works have been used in school districts throughout the United States, along with being translated into most languages for international distribution. And the Kegel Center continues to conduct research with a primary focus on developing a model that can be translated nationally. So it sounds like you've been up to a lot. How are you doing, Lynn? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, it's great. I'm looking forward to talking about pivotal response treatment. Let's go ahead and dive in. Give us give our listeners an idea of what pivotal response treatment is. Okay. Well, we as you mentioned, we've been doing research for a lot of years and I started probably in the it was the late 70s or mid to late 70s working with children with autism before there were very many children with autism and before there were even very many techniques to work with the children with autism. And most of the research that was showing that the kids could progress, as you mentioned, was the ABA treatments, but they were really structured. And we pulled the children out into rooms that were kind of free of distractions, and we set them at little tables, and we tried to get them to imitate by saying, look at me. And, and um, you know, once they were looking at us and we had pretty good eye contact, then we started using flashcards to teach them vocabulary words and so on and so forth. And I was talking to my husband, Bob, who we've worked together for many years and been married for many years. Um, we were talking one day, and he said, you know, the kids are learning, and, you know, it's hard teaching them sometimes, but they're learning, but they're not very happy. They don't look very happy. They don't look like they're having fun. They never came in excited to to come to our sessions, and Likewise, the therapists and teachers weren't that happy, so they were coming in, and, and, and a lot of them didn't stay in the field very long because it took a long time to teach the kids so the behaviors that we were trying to teach, and of course, autism being a severe disability, they have a lot of different areas that need intervention. So we were chatting, and he said, there's got to be some way where we could have everybody having a better time. So we started just picking away thing by thing and saying, what could we do? to improve the learning. And we started looking at the rewards and we started looking at publishing studies that looked at varying the tasks a little bit and studies that looked at child choice. And eventually we came up with a lot of separate individual procedures that seemed to really be helpful in improving the kids' motivation. They were smiling more. They were making better responses. They weren't having as much disruptive behavior. They weren't trying to get out of the session. And so um, we kind of put it together in a package. And around um, in the early 80s, we published that, as you mentioned earlier. We, it, was, it was focused on improving the communication of children with autism. So we called it the natural language paradigm because unlike the previous interventions that looked really structured and unnatural and you would never see a child in the real world engaging in the, the kind of activities like the real structured ABA, the, the motivational components added was a little improvement or a, a huge improvement, I should say, on the ABA procedures so that the children responded better, they had higher affect, the, the teachers enjoyed it more, even the parents. We've done some studies on the parents and it reduce their stress a lot. So we, we have a set of um, different procedures like choice and natural reinforcers, task variation, including maintenance tasks, rewarding the children's attempts even if they aren't perfect, a whole set of procedures that when used together, the children really make huge improvements. And the reason we call it pivotal behaviors is that we're seeing not only are they making these improvements in the targeted areas, but they're making a whole bunch of improvements in areas that we have not targeted. So that was our first sort of 
main finding that if we use these motivational procedures, we could really change the whole sort of teaching paradigm for children with autism and and really get them more active as more active learners and and working harder to help themselves in a sense and and more motivated. So that's kind of how we got on um, initially on the pivotal behaviors. And we recently published an article showing that this can even be, these procedures, these motivational procedures can even be applied to academic tasks. For example, math and writing and reading. If you incorporate these motivational procedures into the activity, like math, writing, and reading, you can um, really see huge improvements and a lot less disruptive and avoidance behavior. So these motivational components really make a difference in the learning of children, for children with autism. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I absolutely agree. When we see people doing pivotal response treatment, uh, everybody's happier. You know, it gives an opportunity to set an environment that's, that's really a lot more fun than what we were seeing in the older days. What are, I mean, what, pivotal response treatment, it's a, it's a big mouthful. What, what is a pivotal area? What areas are you finding that we're generalizing to or seeing more, more improvement? Well, we found several different pivotal areas. One is motivation, and that, we, as I mentioned, that's kind of the core one that we started with. Then we did a lot of research in the area of initiations. We found that if we did, um, if we taught the kids how to um, initiate, they really, it really made a difference. So what was happening before is that we were having to set up every single opportunity for the children. And, you know, they would learn, but we'd sort of have to create the environment where they'd, we'd set up an opportunity with a child choice item and create this opportunity, and then they'd use good communication or and, and then, you know, we'd see a big improvement. But we realized it was really adult-initiated. We'd always have to set up these opportunities, and mostly the children were learning how to request things, which is great for initial words, and we want them to be able to request. But they were saying, you know, requesting items, but they weren't using the wide range of different language functions that they need to use to be communicatively competent and to look social and things like that. So... We started looking at, um, actually, we had a really interesting study from one point in time when we were moving to a bigger clinic on campus when we started growing, and and um, we had all these tapes of these little tiny preschoolers that we still knew, and they were adolescents and adults, and we thought, well, you know, we looked at the literature, and we the literature has kind of typically suggested that if a child has an IQ over 50 and verbal communication before the age of five, they should do pretty well. But we had children that did really well, that were great. They had sleepovers, they talked on the phone, they had best friends, they were went to college, they had girlfriends. But then we had another group of children when they were little that really hadn't done as well as we had hoped and, and really had done quite poorly, I should say, and it really broke our hearts because we had worked so hard with these children and the parents were involved, so we had like 24-7 pretty much, um, you know, it was constant the best intervention that we knew. So we looked back at some of these tapes to see if there was anything that we had missed with the children that had these excellent outcomes versus ones that the children that had poorer outcomes. And what we found after a lot of searching and searching and measuring different behaviors was it seemed like the children that initiated their own interactions when they were little had much better outcomes than the children who, even if they were really bright, they just sort of sat there and waited for an adult to ask them a question. So we did a second study 
where we said, could we teach initiations? Because now that we have a hint that this is an area that may be pivotal and may produce a much better outcome, we wanted to see if we could create an intervention that would produce the same outcome. So we did a series of research studies over a period of several years, many, many years actually, that um, where we taught the children how to initiate interactions. We taught them all kinds of questions and expressions and ways to start the interactions. And those children ended up having much better outcomes. So that was another area that we thought that looks like it's pivotal. If the children have these initiations, they just look better. They're rated. When we have people rate them that don't know if they have autism or not, we have them rate them. If they're not using very very many initiations, people rate them as not looking very good, not looking. We have some normalcy skills because we really don't want to just teach them just what various language structures. We want them to really fit in. So we had people rate them, and people were rating them poorly if they weren't initiating at all, no matter how smart they were. But if they were initiating, it seemed to make a huge difference in their social life and their long-term outcomes. So we spent a lot of time working on these initiations and, and still are working in that area of really trying to get the kids to initiate their own interactions. We also have um, done some work in the area of self-management, some of that research you published with us, too, and yeah. um, along with a lot of the motivational stuff that you worked when we were doing when you were here. But right. the self-management is great, and it's really nice, especially nice, especially useful, I think, in inclusion settings like school, where there maybe isn't as much opportunity for choice and things like that, although... There should be more, and there are a lot of techniques that really help the typical kids, too. But, right. if there are, but the, for behavior issues and things like that where we need the child to really kind of respond, you know, not have um, disruptive behavior or have, not have repetitive behaviors or things like that, the self-management is a really easy way to get them their behavior under control. And it can also be used in other community settings like at the grocery store for social initiations, there's just a lot of ways self-management can be used. And that also seems pivotal when somebody can take responsibility for their own behaviors and monitor their own behaviors. That seems to be pivotal also. And then an area that's really interesting that we're working on right now, it's kind of in progress, is empathy. And we're finding that there's a lot of theories that maybe people with autism can't empathize but we're finding that that may not be the case. We're finding that this is very preliminary research and it isn't published yet, but we're finding that a lot of the kids just aren't, because of their language and social difficulties, they just aren't exposed to very many situations where they're able to learn what are the things that people do to be empathetic. And sometimes they don't even understand, like if someone says, oh, that really hurt. It's not that they don't feel badly, they just don't know that they're supposed to ask a question like, oh, are you okay? Or, oh, can, is there anything I can do? And we're finding that they can learn these. And so we're really feeling like this is looking, you know, from our preliminary research, like maybe empathy is another really important wow. area that the individuals can't, with autism can learn if they're not using them. Right, that's amazing. And it's such a, it's such a higher level, I think, than a lot of therapists are thinking about. Let's, here's what we should do. Let's take a, a quick break and then pick up here when we get back. We're, we're talking with Dr. Len Cagle about pivotal response treatment, so please stay tuned for the rest of our discussion. Learn more 
Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. At Autism Training Solutions, we know what it's like to work with children with autism. And we know what professional development can do for a school, a child, and a family. That is why we want to give 50 schools in the U.S. access to ATS professional development for a whole year. All you need to do is tell us how ATS would make a difference for your team in a one-minute video or a 500-word essay. For a complete set of rules, visit AutismTrainingSolutions.com backslash contest. Shepard Mullen Richter in Hampton is a proud supporter of Autism Spectrum Therapies. Shepard Mullen is a full-service law firm with more than 570 attorneys in 14 offices located in the United States, Europe, and Asia. Companies turn to Shepard Mullen to handle corporate and technology matters, high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. For more information, please visit ShepardMullen.com. BDO is dedicated to service, from serving our clients to serving the communities in which we live and work. Through BDO Counts, our national corporate volunteer program, employees across the country volunteer their time, talent, and resources for the good of local communities. And now, BDO is proud to support Autism Spectrum Therapies. We believe in doing our best to make the world a little better. That's why people who know community involvement know BDO. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Free, and we're speaking with Dr. Lynn Cagle. Uh, you know, Lynn, at AST, we've been working uh, quite a bit to develop infant programs, such as our Racing Ahead program. We found there's just a huge need as we're identifying children younger and younger. And I know you're doing some great work in, with infants. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Absolutely. There's really not much in the literature treatment-wise for children under about 18 months. So we kind of got thinking. We had a lot of referrals from siblings or even from parents who were concerned about their infant's social development. And these were infants that were under a year. The, the youngest one that we was referred to us was four months old. And, and we've, you know, we've worked a lot with pediatricians for them to really notice if the children are having some of these early symptoms that might be pre-linguistic symptoms of autism, such as low affect, meaning that the children aren't really smiling at their parents very much. The other thing is they might not be turning to their name if their parents call them. They don't really look at their parents. They might um, prefer objects over people. So if there's a toy that their parents are holding up, they'll stare at the toy, and they won't, when their parents call them, they won't look at the parents, or else they may take a really long time to disengage from the toy and look at their parents. They may stare at the window where there's light for long periods of time or a ceiling fan that's going um, around and around, and they're just not really smiling and laughing that much. So we're seeing that there's some distinct patterns of low kind of social engagement in these children, some of whom are siblings of children with autism. 
So we thought, I wonder if there's some way where we could use the pivotal response treatment procedures to design an intervention that would help these children. So what we did is, obviously, we aren't going to work on words because they're too young to have first words, but what we did is we we looked at some of their videotapes and we found that some of the activities that typical children may like, the children with autism don't like, or the children with that look like they might have these low affect. We don't know if they would have autism or not, but right. they look low affect. So we found, we went through all their tapes of them playing with their parents, and we pulled out only the activities where they were showing some positive affect. And for some of the children, it might have been three or four activities out of dozens that their parents presented. Some of them might not even like peekaboo or simple games like that that most little infants love to play. So we took those few activities and then, which we called them child choice activities, and then we had them, the parents do really brief periods because we didn't want them to kind of satiate and get bored of them, of those activities. So we had them just do it for five to ten seconds and then rotate through all of the activities they liked. And then after they rotated through the activities they liked a few times, we had them take them for a walk so that they'd have some kind of social activity rather than just having a break with a toy that's non-social. And then what we started doing is interspersing these tasks they didn't like as much once their affect was high. And we found that we could, that way we could improve their affect and their engagement in all the different activities when we gradually and systematically added these activities that hadn't seemed so interesting to them before. So really... Our goal is to really see if we, you know, autism can be a serious downhill trajectory if the kids don't get intervention, and we know they that they it can be cumulative, and they can just get worse and worse without intervention. So we're thinking that if we can start the intervention at a really early point in time, maybe before it's even a huge problem, maybe just when it's a social affect, you know, um, problem, that maybe we could... Um, head off some of the more serious challenges that children face. And it looks like we were able to successfully, in our first study that we're, um, we've presented at conferences, it's not published yet, we're just writing it up for publication, it looks like maybe we can head off, we can help the children become more social, even in the first year of life. So that's really exciting. I mean, we're thinking... The earlier we can intervene, the better, and if we can, and you know, there's, there's no way to say for sure that they would have autism or not, but we do know for sure that infants with low affect tend to have more difficulties later on. So if we can head off some of those even really early problems, we think we may hopefully head off some more serious ones when they get wow. older. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And like you said, you really don't know where that trajectory would have taken them. I mean, when you're intervening early, and you're working on affect, and you're getting parents engaged in the treatment process early on. And it's hard to know if any of them would have really uh, progressed to where they would have an autism spectrum disorder or not, because you're catching it so early. Right, so I should add that the parents have been just phenomenal. The parents have really picked up on it. And, in fact, we just have a parent now that we're working with that, had, that noticed that her little guy... Um, it does better when they do the activities in different rooms. So she'll do a round of activities and move to a different room in the house and then move to a different room. So parents are just amazing, and they're noticing that, okay, there's something that doesn't look right with my infant. They all came to us very concerned and had contacted their pediatrician or 
um, neurologist or something and said, you know, I feel like there's something really off with my child's um, social interactions. So parents are just great at not notice, uh, not only noticing these early symptoms, but also working with us to help overcome them. Right. Well, I want to make sure we, we get to talk about some other stuff. I know that, you know, there's so much of the early intervention stuff you guys are into and now even going to infants. But you mentioned academics and, and some of the stuff you're doing with school age and older kids. I want to make sure we talk about the work you're doing with conversational speech and social skills because you're doing a lot of stuff for school age kids that want to make sure you get a chance to talk about. Great. Yeah, we've been working a lot since the since we started this program of motivation in the language it, social communication, we have almost all of our kids, if we start in the preschool years, become verbal. And then we've worked on these initiations, so we get them using questions and they're able to ask questions. But one area that for a lot of researchers has, or a lot of people with autism has been challenging is that social communication, social interaction. So we've started through the age span, but we focus a lot on our college and adults and adolescents on some of these programs to really help them become socially engaged. So we do comprehensive programs. If if you read the literature, there's not been any one technique that's been published that can fix social problems or improve social problems to 100%. So we're looking at, for, for people on, um, with autism spectrum, they really need a combination of, pro, of programs at the same time to help their social. So We've been working with some video modeling to help them work on their social conversation, which can include pragmatics such as eye contact, the way they're sitting, the way they're dressing, the question asking, the going back and forth. Because a lot of our um, adolescents and adults will, if someone says, oh, I had a great lunch today, they won't say anything. Or they might say, oh. And they just have to be taught that they need to say, oh, what did you have for lunch? Or where did you go to lunch? Or just to keep the conversation going. So we're doing a lot of work in that area. We also have a grant to look at programs in the schools for lunchtime because we noticed a lot of our high schoolers are sitting by themselves or getting teased or bullied at lunchtime. And we've been able to use their strengths which is sometimes their restricted interest to develop these clubs. And we do that at lunchtime, and we've been training school staff to do that and school aides to do these lunch clubs so that our students can have a good social network. And sometimes since they're, a lot of them are so smart in so many areas, they can even be the valued member of their club because right. they have accumulated all these, this information. So we've been doing just a lot of different activities um, for the older individuals, and we also recently have a contract with the Department of Rehabilitation, so we've been working on job skills and how do you not only get a job, but how do you keep one, and, and um, working with our population, since we have so many people now coming into adulthood with autism, you know, working, getting them meaningful jobs and jobs that they like and jobs they'll enjoy, and, and there's a lot of you know, getting a job, especially in this economy, is not that easy. So that's right. we're really working on um, getting the skills these people need to really, you know, have have not only a job they like, but also get along well with their coworkers. That's phenomenal. That is great. And um, I, 
I, I want to get a chance to talk a, a bit about the pocket guide. I know I can I can refer folks to the other work you're doing at kegelautism.com and encourage people to look at that and see some of the TV work that you've done as well on the Discovery Channel and being on Super Nanny. There's a lot to explore with uh, kegelautism.com, so I'm going to make, people, make sure people hear about that. But I want to talk about the pocket guide because everybody's talking about the pocket guide that you put out, the PRT pocket guide. Um, I'd like just to hear from you of how you intended it to be used and what, what you were thinking about when you when you developed it. Well, we kind of had two focuses, two things in mind. One was to really show that the procedures are data-based. As you mentioned, now with the numbers of kids with autism being diagnosed, um, it's there's just if you look on the internet every day, there's a new intervention, and most of these interventions aren't data-based. And they've been finding now that some of the interventions can be even harmful to children with autism. And we really need children to be able to learn and learn quickly. And to do that, we need data-based techniques, evidence-based techniques. So with the pocket guide, what we did is we, we put in the research to back every procedure that we discuss in the book, but we also made it really user-friendly. So anybody could pick it up and get some ideas. It has a lot of practical ideas. It's got a lot of real life examples and and um, a lot a lot of tables and things that are really easy to use. So it's it's basically both showing that there is research to base everything we discuss and also there's a lot of practical procedures that are and it's it's just an easy book to read. It's kind of fun to pick up and read through and it's not it's not um tedious to get through. So it's 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 user friendly for whatever level of um of background a person has in the field of right. autism. Yeah, it sure is. It's it's a great contribution, and I, I think it's uh, it's just sweeping. I hear a lot of people who are enjoying it. Thank you so much, Len, for coming on the show today. This was great information. You're always great to listen to. And again, you can learn more about the work that they're, that they're doing at the Kegel Autism Center by going to the UCSB site or going to kegelautism.com. So thanks again, Len. We'll be right back with more Autism Spectrum Radio. Stay tuned. helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Parents of special needs individuals want to know if the care their loved ones are receiving is the best possible. We at Code Metro, developers of NPA Works, business management software for special needs providers, understand the unique necessities of running a successful organization. NPA Works helps free providers of tedious tasks like scheduling and insurance billing. Ensure your clinic is maximizing the time they give to your loved one. Ask if they use NPA Works. Visit us at npaworks.com to see how we can help. If you are considering how cloud computing might benefit your business, CenterBeam's Cloud Readiness Assessment can help. Our track record includes over a decade of service delivery experience, and our customer satisfaction leads the industry. We've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and can help you identify the best strategy for your business. Call today to get a 25% discount on your assessment, 877-710-8880. The assessment is yours to keep and will provide specific insight into how the cloud can work for you. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Freya, and my thanks to Lynn Cagle for being with us today. I always enjoy Lynn's enthusiasm. It's no wonder she's made motivating people part of her life's work. I hope you take a moment to visit her site, kegelautism.com, to see the work that her and her husband are doing. It's uh, really important work. You can also go to the Kegel Autism Center site. I hope today's topic was useful for you. It is always amazing to me when researchers discover successful intervention methods and then continue to hone them into a treatment package that they can improve on over time. I kind of think of PRT as a living treatment approach that keeps getting better as more people are using it and we learn more about it. And the new PRT Pocket Guide is selling like hotcakes. Not sure where that phrase comes from, but it's fun to say. And in this case, it does make sense because it is selling like hotcakes. Amazon sold out uh, right away. I looked this morning, and they're about 10 or 11 still on Amazon now with a note that says there are more on its way. That's remarkable for a new book. I think it's great. Uh, what's most important is that you may have heard about something new today or a treatment that you'd heard about but not taken advantage of. And PRT is pretty accessible. That's why I invited Len on the show today. It's a treatment that you can put in your hands right away. And I should point out, this is not an advertisement. I invited Lynn on the show, and I believe in their work. That's why they're here. They didn't pay us to talk about PRT. We select our guests based on the quality of the work they're doing, and I really wanted you to learn more about PRT. Uh, It was was also selected by us because it's immediately accessible and represents the most talked-about play-based ABA approach to treatment. And there are workshops and tons of materials, so there's really no excuse for any treatment provider to say they can't offer a play-based approach for your son or daughter if you think it's appropriate. Uh, I think it is important to identify and share the treatment methods coming out of our universities and research centers that are effective. And that's what we'll be talking about next week, going into next week, with uh, Dr. Eileen Schwartz from the University of Washington. And we'll be talking with her about preschool programs. And this is such an important topic. We, We all know that early intervention is the most critical factor in any child's outcome. We've discussed how ABA treatments are the evidence-based approach to early intervention, but what about preschool? Does ABA have a place in the preschool classroom? And of course, you bet it does. Dr. Eileen Schwartz has developed a great program called Project Data that she will discuss with us next week. And if you have questions about preschool issues, make sure you get them to us so I can include them in that discussion. But I thought, you know, just to give a tease and talk about some of some of the preschool stuff for next week, can you guess what some of the key elements of a good preschool program are for children on the spectrum? What do you think the key elements often are when we're considering a good preschool program? Well, For one, you have to make sure that there's plenty of time with typically developing peers. We are far, far, far from the days when we've segregated young children with autism into their own autism classrooms away from everybody. They need to learn with their typically developing peers, and and that's where they have examples and support in developing social competency, social language, age-appropriate behavior. Those are their examples in their support system. And for some of our listeners, that may seem like a no-brainer, right, but Many of you know that schools around the country are still offering the autism classroom for preschoolers and kindergartners, and it's not an integrated option. They promote them as having all the bells and whistles the child needs, and they'll convince families that 
they have invested a lot into the classroom, and that's where the child needs to learn. And I've heard districts uh, tell parents that this is where the expertise is. And if the child's not in this class, then we're not sure how we're going to offer the appropriate service and, and all that we've invested in for our autism programs. Uh, Dr. Eileen Schwartz has quite a bit to say about this, and I'm looking forward to discussing this in some detail. She's developed effective and well-researched preschool programs that have focused heavily on using peers. And some of the things we talked about today, uh, being naturalistic and you know using play and making sure that there's an environment where they can learn from typically developing peers and thrive. So a good preschool will have those opportunities and probably, you know, that, that probably makes good sense. You know, playing with peers makes good sense. What else is a good option for a preschool program? A key factor, another important variable. Well, I hate to be a broken record, but there really has to be a strong ABA foundation because ABA methods are always going to be necessary in education, in educating children with autism especially in preschool, as these are the early intervention years, right? The, the potential is huge for them. Their brains are developing rapidly, and we need to have evidence-based methods in the classroom. As we talked about before, it's not a time to be risky. It's not a time to take a chance on something that's new. As Dr. Cagle mentioned, there's always something new to try, but that doesn't mean there's research behind it. There's evidence behind it, like PRT and some of the other ABA methods. So, there needs to be an evidence-based method in the classroom, and we need to have a behavior analyst involved, if not running the program, overseeing the program, collecting data, making sure the kids are progressing and having the skills that they will need in kindergarten, because this is the chance to get them ready for school. We're launching their school experience. We're launching their future. I mean, it sounds pretty important. <laughs> this will be a great topic for next week. I hope you don't miss it. And if you do, you can always go to autismtherapies.com and listen to it as often as you like. Uh, I wanted to uh, mention something. July 1st is a major day for those of you living in California. That's when the new insurance mandate kicks in. And this insurance mandate, uh, as it approaches, I want to let everybody, everybody know that AST will be conducting a series of workshops on how to utilize, utilize your insurance for autism services. Uh, so the workshops we're offering will be live, where you can stand up, raise your hand, and ask questions, and meet with other parents who are dealing with understanding insurance coverage. So with all that parents have on their plates already, it's frustrating how difficult working with insurance can be. And AST tries to take on as much of that work for you as possible, and uh, the workshops are, are one step towards getting your questions answered. So please check out our website and our fa Facebook page for information on that. Or if you want, you can give us a call because people still talk, right? So you can talk to us. And if you want, you can speak to one of our insurance specialists. Call 866-278-1520 to talk to one of the insurance specialists about what we offer about the workshops. Again, 866-278-1520. Uh, one other thing I want to mention is, uh, as we've said before, summer is almost here. And our kids are going to be looking for something to do. And we talked a lot today about play, and so it's fitting that we take a moment to talk about having fun this summer as well. Uh, do you think your child would enjoy attending a summer camp? I want to remind you that registration is now open for AST summer camps. And it's an opportunity to have a trained staff uh, person plan activities that are educational 
and fun. So we use our AST staff who are great with kids with autism and we have a lot of fun and do some educational stuff as well. So it's a fantastic program and we offer it in several of our locations. Not everyone, but a lot of them. And I encourage you, if you want to learn more from our website at autismtherapies.com and to sign up early because uh, space is often limited. So you can see pictures and read all about it on our website. Uh, and So as always, you can get additional information about our treatment supports and other things there as well. Find out about events, listen to webinars or past radio shows. You can print out our tip sheets on a range of different topics. You can learn about our game nights, check out our blog that's frequently updated and will include links to requested resources and popular supports for parents. So we offer a lot on, on our website and I try to direct people there to kind of as a first line to get some, some basic resources and questions asked. And um, so give it a look and, and give us your feedback and comments on what you find there. We'd, we'd love to learn more about what resources you need. And you can help us make AutismTherapies.com a better site for parents uh, who, are, who are looking for answers. So I hope you enjoyed today's show and that you learned something new. And join me next week for our discussion with Dr. Eileen Swartz on preschool options for with ch- for children on the autism spectrum. We'll be covering a lot, so I hope that you join us and get us those questions ahead of time so I can include them. So until then, this is Dr. Bill Freer with Autism Spectrum Radio. I hope you have a great week. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Bill Freya, for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. 
The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. If you have a child in your life with autism, there may be a lot of questions that you need answered. What if your child has recently been diagnosed? Or maybe you have a question about treatment that your child is currently undergoing. For answers to these and more, tune into Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. Our guests will include parents and experts to discuss current experiences, treatments, and breakthroughs for those living with autism. Listen every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what's not working in your life? Could you use a little help? Join your host, Tamaran, for Let's Figure It Out. Tamaran has had both highs and lows in her life. She uses her experiences to teach you some basic techniques on how to live a better life through health, relationships, and more. Her guests also come from the health and wellness industry, and together, Tamaran and her guests will help you get your life on the right path. Let's Figure It Out airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you want to understand more about your health, sexuality, and so much more, tune in to Hot and Healthy Sex Radio with host Jenny Friend. Jenny will look at sex and sexuality from a practical, scientific, and human perspective, explaining not just the how, but the why. We want to hear from you, too. Tune in to Hot and Healthy Sex Radio, live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, that's noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. It's good for your health, your sex life, and your well-being. 